0: Hello friends, welcome to episode 1260 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Tuesday evening for a bonus slash pseudo emergency podcast. Second time today on the show, a little bit shorter than usual, but there was enough news pile up and rumblings pile up and all this fun stuff to hit on. And I sort of took a poll on Twitter more often than not. People wanted to hear another quick one today and I had some time. So here we are. On the podcast, I do want to say at the top of the show before we get into some interesting news stuff on the podcast today, um, some player stuff that I want to plug player capsules with Glenn Willis talking about Kevin Herter earlier today. Yesterday on Monday, I talked with Glenn about Clay Capella. Glenn's been huge covering a lot of stuff with me on the podcast last few weeks talking about the entire roster other than Trey Young, which is coming in the relatively near future, I'd imagine. But uh, shout outs to Glenn and all of those podcasts are still available right now. Beyond that, we had a wide ranging mailbag on the show at the end of last week. With some trade stuff so some of your questions of course and then before that some visits from jake rosen and ricky o'donnell and ben pfeiffer and tyler jones and andrew kelly and many more as we get closer to the nba draft again only eight days away as i record this by eight and a half i guess as it's thursday of next week but from there trade season is already here basically it was already a deal made in the nba this week free agency is looming summer league is looming and all of the machinations and all the uh craziness of the off season is definitely coming fast and furious. So please subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Stitcher, YouTube, of course, on the video side, and uh, across the board where, wherever you like to find podcasts. So today's podcast will have sort of two parts of it. The first one with some injury updates from Tuesday. The second one later on in the show about a column from Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report. Jake is of course very plugged in. He had a, a, some new rumblings having to do with the Hawks today. But we'll start with the official stuff, and that's the injury updates from the Hawks that happened on Tuesday. I've sort of alluded to this the last couple of podcasts, at least two of the last three podcasts about Bogdanovich and uh, some of his uh, reported issues with his knee. Actually, on Tuesday morning before this uh, update actually came out, I sort of confirmed and I'd heard, and it was confirmed by me and others that he had the knee procedure that was reported over in Europe in the last couple of weeks. Um, the Hawks, though, had not released any information on that knee surgery or knee procedure until today. And that finally happened. The official wording from the Hawks is that Bogdanovich underwent surgery, quote, following the season, end quote, on his right patella tendon to address knee inflammation. And the rest of the statement was that that, that he will be expected to rehab over the offseason and is expected to make a full recovery, quote, in advance of the regular season, end quote. So this is the Hawks basically saying very little. Um, They announced that he had the surgery, which they don't typically have to do. In fact, in previous years, the Hawks have had some guys have some stuff done that they never actually announced. But this time around, I got got enough attention because of Eurobasket other things with Bogdanovich that they kind of probably had to. And um, they did not say when the surgery occurred. That's important to kind of point out from this release by the Hawks. Nor did they say an official timeline for his recovery. Now, they did say the regular season uh, would be sort of a dividing line here. That's about four months away right now, mid-October, basically. The, the dates are not official just yet, but I basically have to assume mid-October always would be the start of the season in its normal form. So keep that in mind. As far as takeaways beyond that. Of course, this is not great news for Bogey, even if we kind of knew that was going to happen on some level already with the with the buzz that was out there and the knee stuff that he was bothering, that was sort of bothering him during their playoff run. At the same time, he's had some knee issues now a couple couple years in a row, and he's actually going to be 30 pretty soon in August. A lot of miles on those tires. As a reminder, he was a pro for a long time in Europe before he came over to the league. So um, obviously not a hugely long career in the NBA so far, but a guy who's played a lot of basketball at the highest levels. And 30 isn't over the hill, but it's not like it's uh, he's a strapping young guy either. So I did a full deep dive with Glenn on the show about Bogdanovich's player availability and the way that he plays and offense and defense. That stuff is definitely readily available on that show. I won't do a lot of that here on this podcast. But to put a point on it, um, any trade rumblings with Bogdanovich probably have to be a little bit less likely now with his, with his procedure and that, and that likelihood. Now, at the same time, teams will trade for a guy who is injured, especially if they're on track to be back and medical information is uh, able to be shared by the team. Um, so not, not crazy at all. That he can still be moved, but maybe a little bit less likely. And also, um, you know, it has to be said that he's been a really important piece of their team offensively. He's been their number two perimeter scorer, um, the last couple of seasons. And obviously he's been, has some health stuff. He's not always been there. And defensively he has slipped over the last couple of seasons, but still a dynamic shooter. I got him get his own shot and, uh, would certainly be a loss for the Hawks if he's not the same player or if they were to move on from him. So a lot of stuff to get to on bogey but uh to say not great news and we don't have a ton of information at this point in time other than uh, ho- hopefully he'll be back in the near future but it's going to be a while before he's on the court it looks like at this stage um i was waiting for something on bogey to come through and that obviously happened today um there was another player though that actually was not waiting for anything to be dropped but they uh, actually attached this in the same release the hawks announced that Jalen johnson of course the la- last year's first round pick um, underwent a non-surgical procedure following the season to address tendonitis in his left knee. Uh, similar wording to Bogey in a lot of ways, but it's notably it's it's not a surgery; it's a non-surgical procedure. That's a little bit less of a big deal in some respects. Also, there was a difference in that they uh, in the release said that that Johnson was quote expected to make a full recovery in advance of training camp end quote, whereas Bogey was regular season. So that's not a huge gap. But it's three or four weeks between the start of camp and the start of the regular season. And they seem to be more optimistic on Johnson's timeline than they were on Bogey's timeline. At any rate, not a serious thing for Johnson. Like this kind of stuff happens, but you know, it is it is an idea is ideal. I will say because as I say a lot about guys like a Kong Wu in the last couple of years early in their career, Kevin Herder had an offseason like this. Cam Reddish, of course, family former Hawk, had a uh, offseason where he was not able to do a lot. It's not great when young guys especially have to miss their summer, but when they're trying to be able to uh, grow their game, obviously you can get a lot done during the season, but in terms of skill development work, most of that stuff gets done in the autism because teams don't really practice a ton. Once the lights come on, you kind of are what you are. You're doing scheme stuff, but you're not like necessarily going and doing individual work a ton. So uh, not a great thing for Johnson to be banged up at this point in time. Um, Beyond that, Johnson was a projected name to be at Summer League. All parties were on the same page at the end of the season. He was going, going to be going to Las Vegas to play in his second season. Uh, obviously played last year as well alongside Sharif Cooper. But uh, it almost certainly eliminates that option. Obviously, the Hawks are not going to say that clearly on the release. But Summer League, by the way, starts in like three weeks from now. So I can't imagine him playing in Vegas. He might just go out there and be around the team. But he's not going to play, I would guess, at this point in time. And obviously, that's not a huge loss. But if you're a Hawks fan it was like going to be going to Vegas to want to see him or want to pl- watch him on TV, he probably won't be there. And that kind of leaves um, a little bit of a dent in that interest level. Chloe Sharif Cooper will be there unless something crazy happens there. And the Hawks might have a draft pick or two that are also in Vegas. But um, I know a lot of us were looking forward to seeing Jalen in that setting again, and hopefully like, dominating in that setting coming out of his rookie season i still think that i have not changed my opinion on johnson i think he's going to be a good player i'm excited about him but in terms of like setting him back a little bit um for next year this probably does that on some level does that change everything big picture no but in terms of like him being ready for training camp and a new player and being uh, you know improved all that stuff you kind of have to put a little bit of a damper on that expectations at this point in time, because he'll be out for at least a few weeks, if not longer, but still uh, notable again that they have him back for training camp. Um, So that's obviously gives you still like three months to go, between now and then, but still plenty of time for him to get right and be back on the floor in the near future. Okay. Before we get to the Jake Fisher portion of the podcast today, a word from our sponsors on the program. Today's show is brought to you by Arcade 1-Up. We have big news. The one and only NBA Jam is back. Arcade 1-Up is the leader in at-home retro arcade games. They're not only bringing the best game ever back, they made it bigger than ever with a, wait for it, a Shaq edition machine. I've been a big MD- NBA Jam guy for a long time. It's just fantastic to hear about this. I'm not the only one that's obsessed with NBA Jam, and I to to all of our listeners. to go once again play hoops with NBA legends in this arcade classic. Jump clear across the courts of the ball on fire in one of the first sports games ever to feature real and digitized NBA-licensed teams. No fouls, no free throws, and no quarters required. Compete with friends and family across all new Wi-Fi leaderboards, making you more connected than ever. You can pre-order now from arcade1up.com. That's arcade, the number one, up.com for an estimated early September ship date. Arcade 1UP is a place for fun. They have classics like Golden Tee and Mortal Kombat and many others at $3.99. Just starting at just dollars Just check this out today. They're giving away a free NBA Jam Shack edition to a Locked On listener, if you can enter to win the chance to win this console for yourself, for your man cave, or wherever you want to put it at arcade1up.com slash Locked On. That's Arcade, once again, the number one, up.com slash Locked On. You have until July 8th to enter this NBA Jam Shack Edition Console Contest. Do not miss out. Enter today at arcade1up.com slash Locked On today's show is brought to you by rock auto in the auto world has so makes miles these days it's actually impossible for local chain stores to stock all the car and truck parts that you actually need for your automobile of choice and even if they have them you actually want to endure the question from behind the counter they always have an ulterior mode they want to sell you what they want to sell you behind the counter in the warehouse or wherever the whatever's best for them basically instead do whatever's best for you and that usually means honestly it always means checking out rockauto.com at home or in your pocket it's a much better option no matter what you're looking for on the car side why well, spend more for the exact same auto parts from a chain store or dealership I can order them at rockauto.com today very easily and very profitably for you. Rockauto.com has been in business customers for more than 20 years at this point in time and the prices are reliable low and they're always the same for each and every customer. They have all of what you need for your car or your truck. That includes, of course, things like brake parts and tail lamps and motor oil and even carpet. And the website is beautiful at rockauto.com. See all the parts available for your car, your truck, and see everything else that they have to offer for you in that one spot. And when you get there, right Locked On in the box to ask you how you heard about Rock Auto so you can tell them that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, before we get out of here on this bonus podcast, there's another piece from Jake Fisher a Bleacher Report on Tuesday with a lot of intel around the league. And the Hawks are still... One of the teams that's talked about probably more than almost any team at this point in time. There's so much going on with the Hawks, and there's so much uncertainty about the Hawks and where they want to go, which pieces might be on the move. Uh, Obviously, there's some unrest that they even acknowledged about how they uh, they want turnover at this point. They want upgrades from coming out of last season. So everyone knows that, and a lot of attention being paid to the Hawks at this point in time. I'll go through some of the highlights of GXPs having to do with the Hawks. The headliner actually was that Zach Levine, will reportedly be likely to return to Chicago, which is only like tangentially related to the Hawks, but there was some reporting early in the cycle that the Hawks could have some interest in Zach Levine. So I'm not saying that's over for sure, but if you believe the reporting that, uh, that Jake has here on Levine, it's not likely to be happening. They will believe in Chicago. And then if you go from there, it's even less likely would actually go to Atlanta. So I'm not saying you cross them off in pen, but maybe in pencil, take Zach Levine off your board at this point in time. Um, Hawks wise, for me, the most interesting thing that was reported for, this on the Hawk side was that Jake, citing sources, wrote that the Hawks are quote, now expected to retain the Andre Hunter, end quote. And that he also wrote that they are looking to agree on an extension with Hunter at this point in time. So if you listen to the podcast recently, you remember that i kind of put Hunter and Akongwu in particular in a different category from other guys. You know, Trey is the untouchable. Everyone already knows that. Um, but I've said for a while that everyone's available, but there are guys who are less available. And I believe that Hunter and Akongwu are those two guys for me, at least what, what I've been hearing uh, on the Hawk side. This certainly backs that up on some level. I have still never heard any optimism that Schlenk was wanting to move Hunter. I think that it was always going to be If there was like a huge fish, maybe you go trade uh, Hunter because you kind of have to do that, but they don't want to move Hunter by all accounts. And this backs that up. The extension thing, though, is interesting. Um, You know, I kind of tend to not like sort of at least least downplay a little bit any certainty on extension talks because teams have to agree to this stuff. There's two sides. And honestly, coming into the offseason, I thought it was pretty, not unlikely, but it's not the greatest spot for an extension in my mind. On Hunter's side, you want to ask for the moon. If you are a former top five pick, you've had some flashes. You are the prototypical guy that everyone wants. It's a six eight two two-way wing. Every team wants that, so you're looking for a ton of money to go ahead and lock in with the Hawks um, before you might have a breakout season, if you're thinking on the Hunter side. On the Hawks side, Hunter has not been proven on any level at this point in time. You obviously invested him a ton in the draft, and he's had some nice flashes, But, you know, you'd be paying him a year early when you don't have to. And if you listen to the podcast for a long time, you're probably nodding along with me right now. But my general thing on extensions is that uh, unless it's an absolute no brainer max guy like Trey Young, for instance, which was one you had to do, um, for me, unless it's an absolute steal on the team side, I tend to not want to do that as a team. Now, Kevin Herter did one a year ago. That was a good value for the Hawks. I don't think they absolutely had to do that. But that's the kind of deal where it's cheap enough and it's team control value enough to where it makes some sense on the team side. For Hunter, it's going to be more than that. I can't imagine him signing for what Herter signed for. And there's maybe a deal where I would do it as the Hawks, but I'm guessing that that deal is lower than what Hunter's side would actually take. This is more like Collins, but Collins was a lot more proven in a lot of ways. So I'm not sure what the numbers are going to be like, but it wouldn't stun me if Hunter's agent's asking for $100 million. And I wouldn't give him that. So we'll see where that. if there's a sweet spot there. But uh, no matter what, the reporting from Jake was basically that the teams wants to keep him and they want to extend him. None of that surprises me. Whether the deal actually gets done between the two sides is something else. But it's interesting for sure. He's not going to be going anywhere, at least seemingly at this point in time. And uh, we'll have more time to cover extension talks later on in the offseason. Um, There was more from Jake on the Hawks being interested in Rudy Gobert, which is not, of course, new at all, although I will continue to point out that all of the reporting that I have seen so far um, from Jake and others is more like rival executive chatter than actual sourcing on the Hawks pursuing Rudy Gobert. Closest thing that I could say to that was Tony Joe's report, which I covered on last week's podcast, and Tony covers the Jazz, so I do tend to trust that, but... There was also a Hawks fan kind of freak out that I saw because Jake listed Collins, Capella, Hunter, uh, sorry, not Hunter, Herder and number 16 together in that piece for Gobert. But if you actually read it, he was not saying it was going to take all four of those pieces to get Gobert. It was a combination of those four pieces. Now, we talked about Gobert a lot. I'm not going to do that whole thing again, but it's important to remember one more time. He's locked up for a lot of money, it's a super max deal for for Rudy Gobert, forty plus million dollars a year. He's a little bit older than their core guys for sure as well. It's not a bargain. He's still an awesome player, but I would not go crazy in giving up the farm to pay Rudy Gobert all of that money. Like if it's Collins and Capella, I wouldn't do it personally. That's not an unreasonable ask by Utah, but I would not trade Collins and Capella plus if it's anything if anything beyond that, I definitely wouldn't do it. But I wouldn't I wouldn't want to do Collins and Capella in the same deal for Rudy Gobert. I might be an outlier there. I understand that. but And listen, Rudy makes you better. I'm not saying otherwise, but uh, that's kind of where I am at this point in time. Nothing hugely new, though, in that reporting about Rudy. A couple more things uh, to hit on quickly before we get out of here. There's reference to the Hawks being motivated to find another per- perimeter guy, which is not really new. Um, And not a woke up secret ops, they want to do that on some level. There was a tie to the Hawks liking Dyson Daniels, who's a guy that I've talked about a lot liking. He was probably the first guy I talked about in the cycle that was not a top four guy in the class as one of my favorite players in this draft. Um, But he apparently believes, obviously he's been told that some people believe the Hawks would target Daniels if they were to trade up in the draft or if they were to trade Collins for the popular number seven ish kind of draft pick kind of thing. Um, I do think Daniels is a good player. I'm really intrigued by him. I do think, though, that I would not personally just trade Collins for number seven to take Daniels. That's not a swap that I love. You could certainly argue the value of it. I'm not saying that's a terrible trade because it's not. But personally, if the deal was just Collins for number seven to take Daniels, I would not do that. I'll just say that right now. If it's more than that, if it's Collins plus more for number seven, I definitely wouldn't do it. Anyway, um, finally, from there. Jake wrote that the Hawks are, quote-unquote, determined to set up a bigger role for Kongwu, which does not really jive with the buzz about Gobert or DeAndre Ayton. But for one thing, it does back up, again, what I said before about Kongwu being a guy that they really value at the highest level. And he, like Hunter, are the guys they don't really want to move at this point in time. I will say, though, that intel is not always linear. Like, for instance, people that are hearing that the Hawks might want Gobert – May not be the same people that say they want to give a a bigger role. Like, for instance, I, I do think that a Kongwu and DeAndre Ayton could work together. I still believe, and I've said this a lot recently, so forgive me, but I think a Kongwu is a five and to a man still. And listen, I might, might, might be posturing, I will acknowledge that. But to a man still, on off the record, everyone I talk to for the Hawks thinks that is a Kongwu is a center. Now, if it's Ayton, who's a guy who can shoot a little bit, that is a little bit more tenable with the congo playing some four. I personally would not view him as a primary four, um, at this point in time, especially unless he unless he develops a jump shot that he doesn't have just yet. But for me, he's a five. Um, but you know, again, I could see a congo and eight and kind of working together. A congo and gobert do not work together. I will say that flat out right now. Um, obviously, A could become a guy who you could play more at the four if, he, if his jump shot takes off. He is really skilled with the ball in his hands. Defensively, he can guard fours for sure. So maybe two years from now, I could see that happening. But next year, in particular, I could not imagine a scenario where you want to start a at the four with Rudy Gobert. But alas, we've seen other people were mentioning the Cavs' um, construction with Mobley and Allen. I will point out that Mobley. As a shooter, is a lot further ahead than a Kongwu at this point in time. And even then, the Cavs still had a lot of spacing issues but those two guys on the floor. Regardless, um, we're not, I don't want to go to, we'll, we'll save that for if they actually make one of those deals. But uh, I thought it was interesting. I do agree that, like, on the surface, wanting a bigger role for a Kongwu and then reporting that in the same piece as wanting Rudy Gobert does not make a lot of sense. I will definitely grant that. Um, I, I think, honestly, for me, if you're trading for Rudy, I think you probably have to trade a Kongwu. Um, if it's Aiton, you can maybe see a, ro- a, role, a role for those guys to play together, but we'll ha- we'll handle that later on if we need to. Regardless, my final thought on that would be that I, I can see a congo playing more four in the future, but it has to be the right situation. You can't just plug him in a- a- at the four with no with no context. And him playing with a guy like Gobert even Capella, those are like the worst case scenarios for him to play playing the four. If you're playing him with a shooting center, like a Miles Turner type, or maybe even Aiton who can shoot a little bit, that makes more sense. But alas, we'll come back to that if we need to. Um, one more for the diehards here at the end of the podcast, there was a line at the end of Jake, of Jake's piece that the number 44 pick, which the Hawks of course own in the second round is quote, considered available end quote by the Hawks. Uh, you will note probably if you're a listener of the podcast for a long time, my extensive rants about the Hawks uh, selling draft picks in the past, which has happened a few times under this regime. Um, people always want to tell me that this didn't happen. It absolutely did. The Hawks have sold draft picks under Tony wrestler. Um, You could act like it's not a big deal, and I I do understand that. But one thing I always say is that there is absolutely no basketball reason to sell a draft pick. You could say you want to reward your owner give him some money. I I do understand that viewpoint. But basketball-wise, there is no value from selling a draft pick. Um, Obviously, you're not going to likely get a great player at 44, but I'll just point this out. Um, If you want to talk about luxury tax or like you know paying money for Tony, um, rookie minimums cost less than vet minimums. So if you're a Hawks team that's looking to the luxury tax as a potential concern, it actually costs you less to have a rookie on your roster in the second round than it would for a veteran minimum. So keep that in mind as well. Regardless, it is just funny to me that a second round pick is already widely available at this point in the uh, in the timeline cycle. I get that the Hawks I already have a, like a, a lot of young guys, but quietly the Hawks don't have a lot of guys under contract. I know last year they had a ton of returning talent, so like kinda, they kind of had some roster spot issues. This year, that is not a concern. They have nine guys under contract and that includes Gallo. So uh, that might be eight guys under contract. They have some roster spots to play with. So I will not be uh, open to the, we can't have enough roster spots for all these players argument this time around. doesn't really hold water this time. Regardless, it'd be pretty funny if they, if they sold that pick to me, it would be uh rant worthy. Uh, even if the impact is not hugely high. Okay. I covered a lot of ground in a short period of time, but I promise you, I would do that at the top of the podcast. Broadly speaking, the trade quote-unquote rumors have not risen to the rumor level just yet. Um, I know there have been rumblings all over the place, but for me there has not even been a full-scale Hawks trade rumor just yet. Maybe you could say Collins being available is the closest thing to that because it's been so widely reported, but we kind of already knew that. Now, the urgency level on Collins being traded is something else. Um, I tend to kind of keep my guard up. Boy, I, people, I had somebody ask me this today, and the one that I would say this as a Hawks I think as a Hawks fan, I wouldn't take anything that I've heard to too seriously at this point in time, individually. Now guys are available. I do think it would not be a surprise at all. If they were to train Collins, it wouldn't shock me at all. If they traded Collins for a draft pick, um, but think that that's definitely going to happen or like planning your life around that. I wouldn't go just that far at this point in time. And uh, I don't know who needs to hear this, but A lot of the time when a deal happens, it's not been reported. It's not even been leaked out. So the Hawks, if the Hawks have not been linked to your favorite trade target just yet, that guy might still be available for them. Um, You know, same kind of thing across the board on all sides. And we're into the silly season at this point in time, deals can be happening. Now Uh, the Hawks can make a trade on Wednesday or Thursday. Wouldn't stun me. If not, um, I think it gets more likely every day as you get closer to the draft. A lot of times though, the moves don't happen until Thursday and even till the draft. Like if I'm the Hawks, um, and I want a guy in particular, let, let's just say at face value, the reporting on Dyson Daniels is correct. If the Hawks want Dyson Daniels, they should not make the trade for number seven unless he is there. Because that's the guy they want. If he if he goes at six, you don't make the trade anymore. Like, And especially with the way that Schlenk operates, he usually likes to fall in love with guys and he'll he'll identify a guy he wants to go get him. Um, if that guy that he has fallen in love with is no longer available, you don't make the trade anymore. So a lot of those like, player for pick kind of deals don't happen until the draft just because you might have uh, someone that you particularly want, especially at the top end. If you're trading for a later asset, it's like you can't really settle on one player. If the Hawks were to trade back, all that stuff, I actually have a mailbag question I'm going to answer probably next week about trade back scenarios. And I I quietly kind of like trade back scenarios for the Hawks, even if nobody else does, it seems at this point in time. But if it's a flat draft, as I kind of believe that it is, 16 going down a little bit is uh, an off the radar option that could be pretty interesting. Anyway, that's a nice little tease for the future. Um, but yeah, plenty of podcast content coming. I have already recorded a two-part episode with Brian Schroeder that I'll be dropping at some point in the near future on the NBA draft. Brian is very smart on that stuff. I plan to have another guest or two beyond that. Uh, at least one more mailbag slash my personal thoughts on the draft before the actual draft day comes. Then, as soon as the draft happens, I'll have at least one show that night going into the weekend. Um, the weekend after my uh, after the draft is actually my, my brother's wedding, so I have to kind of eject for a day or two. But uh, wall-to-wall coverage from now and now through summer league. So a month plus. Please subscribe to the podcast, everybody. Tell a friend about the show, and we'll see you all next time.